The last several weeks we've been reading from the book of 1 Samuel, discovering how our real strength is found in God. And today we'll continue reading from 1 Samuel. We'll be looking in the 15th chapter. We'll be focusing on the 22nd verse, although we'll look at several other verses in that chapter this morning. Where we find out our strength comes from what matters, so we need to understand what really matters. Again, we'll be in 1 Samuel 15. We'll look at verse 22. Parents are always telling their children, just take one bite. I promise you're going to like it. Now, kids figure that out pretty quick, usually after their first bite of liver. I could go the rest of my life without taking another bite of liver. But the reality is parents don't want their kids to eat liver or lima beans or whatever it is they're trying to get them to take one bite of. It's they want their children to be healthy, and they know that good nutrition is part of that. That that if you can get the right vitamins and minerals and proteins and all that other good stuff that comes from our, our food, that you'll grow up and you'll be strong and healthy. And that's really what matters. It's not the lima beans or the liver. It's the health. We need to focus our life on what really Matters. King Saul needed some help in that department. He so often got unfocused in his life and began to focus on some things that didn't matter, which led him to depart from God's will, which set him up for disaster not only in his life, but disaster for the entire nation of Israel. Once again, we find Saul here in 1 Samuel chapter 15 having disobeyed what God had specifically told him that he was supposed to do. So Saul, once again, tries to make excuses for what he's done, thinking that if he can somehow kind of paint over this a little bit, it'll still be okay. But Samuel helps him and us to see That the problem was not so much what Saul had done. The problem was he was focused on the wrong thing. We're going to pick up the story here in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed better than the fat of rams. This morning we're going to find out how we all can focus on what matters. Because when we don't focus on God, it shows. In 1 Samuel 15, Saul has yet to have learned the lesson That he should have learned a long time ago. That he ought to just trust God and obey what God had told him to do. In this particular instance, Saul was going into battle against a people known as the Amalekites. This particular war between the Amalekites and the nation of Israel had been going on a long time. This extends all the way back to the book of Exodus when the people of Israel were going through the wilderness heading toward the promised land and the Amalekites attacked them. And ever since, the Amalekites and the Israelites had off and on been on war with each other. In this particular instance, God had told Saul that he was going to be able to defeat the Amalekites. 
Now, in the custom of the day, if you defeated another army, you would then take their riches. You'd go in and you'd take their weapons, you'd take their silver, you'd take their gold, you'd take their livestock. Uh, you would take whatever it was that that army happened to have so that that army wouldn't attack you again. But Saul had been given very explicit instructions from, the, from God. God had told Samuel to tell Saul, when you attack the Amalekites, God will give you the victory, but don't take Anything from them. Don't take any of the silver. Don't take any of the gold. Don't take any of the sacrifices. All of that God will take care of. You should not keep any of it. So what does Saul do? He goes in and sure enough, just as God said, the battle is won by the Israelite army. So Saul begins to think, well, you know, a few cattle and sheep won't matter. Here's how the Bible describes it in verse 9 of 1 Samuel 15. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. They followed God's commands for the scrawny animals. But the really good stuff, they said, well, this is sure a waste of some good steak. We're going to keep those cows. And what about those sheep? Those are some really nice sheep. We can keep a few of those. And so that's what they did. What Saul and his men failed to understand was that partially following God's word is not following God's word at all. And it shows. Samuel arrives on the scene having been told by God what Saul had done. Saul greets Samuel as if nothing's wrong, but Samuel knows better. Verse 13, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul tells Samuel, hey, I did everything the Lord told me to do. We won the battle just like he said we would and everything's just great. And Samuel says, um, I believe those instructions were you weren't supposed to keep any of the animals. So what is this mooing that I keep hearing? What's all that bleeding from the sheep that I'm hearing there in the field behind you? And so Saul tries to make an excuse. Oh, 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 those cows and those sheep. We're just going to use those for some sacrifices. Yeah, that's what it was. We kept those for some sacrifices. Isn't that a great idea? But Samuel wasn't buying any of it. God had already told them the truth, that Saul and his men had kept this livestock for themselves. We need to recognize the same thing. When we hold out on God, we don't fool God. And we don't fool anybody else either. If you hired someone to paint your house and you come home and, and find out that they've painted two sides of your house. And then they come and say, okay, I finished painting. I want my money. You're not going to pay them. You say, wait a minute. I, I wanted you to paint the whole house, not just two sides. I'm not going to pay you for painting my house when you hadn't finished the job. Or... Let's suppose you go to a restaurant and you order your steak well done. 
and they bring it out to you on the plate, red and bleeding. You're going to send it back. You're going to say, wait, if I'd have wanted rare, I would have ordered it rare. I like it just short of shoe leather, well done. Take it back and cook it some more. Or if you go to the airport and you purchase a ticket to Florida, you get on the plane and plane lands, you get out of the plane and you, you look around, you notice you're in Huntsville, Alabama. You're going to go to the airport ticket counter and say, wait a minute, I bought a ticket to Florida. I'm only halfway. I didn't buy a ticket to Huntsville. I bought a ticket to Florida. I want to go all the way there. I don't really want to enjoy the beaches of Huntsville since they don't exist. For most things in life, we're not going to accept halfway. Why would we think that God would? The biblical truth is that we all fall short of the glory of God. It's exactly the way the Bible puts it. And the only way that we can be made right with God is through the grace that God has extended to us by the saving, sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He gave everything so that we could be forgiven. So that we might have everlasting life in Him. Why would we hold back anything from Him? When you think about it, it's pretty obvious in its comparison. Considering all that Christ has done for us, when we hold back from God, it's obvious it's, it's just like those mooing cows and bleeding sheep that were standing behind Saul when he was trying to tell Samuel that he'd done everything that God had told him to do. Samuel could see that it wasn't true. And we need to understand what Samuel tells Saul in response. To obey is better than sacrifice. Samuel obviously knew what was going on? Because God had told him. But the reality is, Saul knew that he hadn't done what God wanted him to do. I mean, God had said, don't take any of the animals. And he took some of the animals, the very best ones, in fact. Not much way around that. And, and then he got caught. Those pesky sheep and cows just wouldn't keep quiet. But no problem. Saul was a quick thinker. Instead of steak, dinner, and mutton, oh, we're going to use those cows and those sheep for sacrifices. That'll make up for it. That'll be okay. And, and hey, everybody wins. We get a little bit of extra food on the table. God gets some extra sacrifices. It's a win-win for everybody. Just one problem. When we don't follow God's Word, it never works out. For anybody. We may think that's unfair. After all, Saul decides to give these cows and sheep as sacrifices. That makes everything okay, right? Well, no. Because actually, he was just coming up with an excuse after he got caught. But even if that wasn't the case, even if... He had thought, well, I'll just keep these best of the cows and the best of the sheep for a sacrifice for God. Even if that's what he had thought initially, he was forgetting something. 
God doesn't need our cows and sheep. So Samuel tells him in verse 22, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Several years ago, Christian singer Keith Green wrote a song based on this passage. Here's part of the lyric to that song. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money. I want your life. And I hear you say that I'm coming back soon, but you act like I'll never return. Well, you speak of grace and my love so sweet, how you thrive on milk, but reject my meat. And I can't help weeping of how it will be if you keep on ignoring my words. Well, you pray to prosper and succeed, but your flesh is something I just can't feed. To obey is better than sacrifice. We have to understand something. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our presence in a pew on Sunday morning. He doesn't need our gifts to the poor. He doesn't need our time. He doesn't need our Bible study. He doesn't need our prayer. Now notice I didn't say that God doesn't want those things. As a matter of fact, He absolutely does. But it's not that He needs that. It's not that He needs our worship for him, he knows that our worship for him is the very best thing for us. It's not that he needs our tithes and our offerings. He knows that our tithes and our offerings remind us that everything we have, he gave to us. He doesn't need our Bible study. He knows that when we study his word, we will know the very best way to live our life. He doesn't need our presence in the church. He knows that as we gather together as his people, it will encourage us to live our life for him the rest of the week. God doesn't need those things. We do. Jesus takes this passage and hits it right at the heart. God wants us to obey Him out of our love for Him. Here's the way Jesus put it. In John chapter 14, verse 15, He says, If you love Me, you will obey what I command. Now, unfortunately, we sometimes get that backwards. We think, well, well, if if I just obey God, then I'll love Him. For one thing, none of us can perfectly obey God. Why Jesus died on the cross. Because every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us falls short. Every single one of us desperately needs the grace of Jesus Christ to cleanse us. And there is no way that we can make our life right with God. No matter how much we try to fulfill His command, we will always fall short. So if what we're trying to do is to obey God enough to make ourselves presentable to God so that He will love us, that's never going to work. But that's not what God told us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my command. 
That's what we need. We need with every fiber of our being to love Christ. To recognize His incredible sacrifice for us. To realize how much He loves us. And to love Him. Because as we love Him, we'll do all those other things. As we love Him, we'll want to worship Him. As we love Him, we'll want to read His Word. As we love Him, we'll want to give our tithes and offerings to Him. As we love Him, we'll want to gather together as God's people. As we love Him, we'll want to obey Him. It'll be the focus of our life because we'll realize what really matters matters that God loves us. My challenge to all of us here this morning is that we would focus on what really matters. That we would focus on loving Christ. Because as we do that, All these other things will happen too. Focus on what matters. Heavenly Father, help us. It's so easy for us to become just like Saul. To start looking for shortcuts. To start making detours from your command and word. And we do that, Lord, when we forget how much you love us. So, Lord, help us to focus on what really matters. That you love us. God, as we focus on your love for us, it will lead our hearts to love you. And in doing so, we will have what we really need. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and, and, and you know, you know, you can't fix this. You've tried. You've been trying to fix your life over and over and over again. And every time you've done so, it just falls apart. And you came here this morning saying, oh, maybe something at church can help me. Maybe there's something there that will fix my life. Well, I'm here to tell you. We can't fix it either. But we know the one who can. And this morning we want to invite you to find in Jesus Christ what you can't find anywhere else. Only He can make right in your life what's wrong. Because only He died on the cross for you. Only He rose again. Only He's alive right now. Only He is Lord. And the good news is today you can find forgiveness and everlasting life. You're accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may be wondering, well, what is that? How do I do that? We want to help you. And normally we would invite you to come here to the front. We sit down and talk with you. We can't do that right now because of the virus. But we do want to communicate with you. In, in the pew rack before you, there's a, a card where you can write some contact information and just check the box that says, I want to follow Jesus. And we'll get in touch with you and let you know how you can do exactly that. If you're watching us online, again, as I mentioned before, there is a a uh, form just like that online at nationalheights.org backslash hello. Or there should be a uh, link there for you if you're watching on Facebook or watching on our website. Just click on that link. It'll take you right to the form. Give us your contact information. Check the box. I want to follow Jesus. We'll be in touch with you. 
Maybe there's some other way that God is speaking to your heart this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home and we'd be glad to share with you or you can be a part of what God's doing at National Heights. Maybe you have a, a prayer need that you'd like us to be praying about with you. Uh, there on that form, there's a place where you can indicate a prayer need here at church. It's on the back of the form on the uh, online form. It's right there at the bottom. Just type in your prayer request. We'll be glad to be praying with you in weeks ahead. In whatever way God is, is working in your heart this morning, we invite you to respond to him as we sing together.